Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Deeply Technical series. Greetings, everybody. My name is Becky Hymas, and I'm a product manager here at uh, Salesforce. I used to be the product manager for Heroku Postgres um, a year ago. And I'm really excited to uh, host this episode because we have with us today uh, Dejim, uh, who is uh, part of the MuleSoft team and wrote a really interesting uh, article about the connector from MuleSoft to Heroku Postgres. Uh, Jim, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, so yeah, my name is Jim Zhuang. I also go by Jim. I am a master principal solution engineer, it's a long title, uh, at MuleSoft. <laughs> uh, I've been with MuleSoft for about five years. We really wanted to um, talk in particular, kind of like to expand a little bit more about that, uh, the, the blog post that you wrote about the connector between MuleSoft and Heroku Postgres. But before we dive deep into that, um, let's uh, talk a little bit about MuleSoft. What is MuleSoft? Sure. So uh, MuleSoft is a Salesforce company now. We got purchased about uh, a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, and our mission is to connect the world's applications, data, and devices. So it's a, it's a pretty you know broad mission statement. But um, our platform allows enterprises to easily connect all their different disparate systems. Uh, and it also expose those as APIs. So there's a lot of different use cases that our, our platform provides. Um, but initially, you know, when we got our start back in, in 2006, uh, it was a mule ESB, so an enter- enterprise service bus, but we've evolved from that point. So it was mostly for companies, originally it was more for companies trying to bring data from, I don't know, big places from like Oracle and then put them together, like help them connect with other databases and to enrich data or why, why did companies use it to begin with and why do companies use it now? So MuleSoft got got its start as an open source platform as an enterprise service bus, and it, enterprise service bus is is a pattern, right? It's a it's a way for systems to send messages to the service bus, and then MuleSoft will take that message and pass it to whatever system. So we would go and grab data from a database, or go grab data from you know an enterprise application, and route that data based off of rules that you set up uh, within MuleSoft to a destination. Um, over time, though, we've evolved past this concept of an enterprise service bus into an integration engine, um, but also the ability to kind of expose data that you're pulling from systems as APIs and primarily REST APIs today. So, yeah, our, our, our main focus today now is, is around this concept of API-led connectivity, but we still have the capability to, you know, go back to our roots of, of routing data, you know, uh, you know, the basic integration patterns of transforming that data orchestration. So. Um, all the old use cases are still applicable, but today we're seeing a lot of use cases and a lot of our customers adopting the platform for exposing data as APIs. So it's interesting because, you know, Heroku got its start by helping those customers that are actually, it did not start with big enterprise customers. It was the opposite. You know, Heroku started with that person that is sitting in the living room has an idea and he just wants to make it an app really quick. Right. So a lot of like the free tier was uh, this. That's kind of like the funnel of a lot of our customers, you know, like somebody sitting in the living room has an idea for an app. 
codes it really quick, posts it in Heroku, like, you know, like makes the, the world know it exists. And it's all on a free tier. And then as traffic starts increasing, they're able to just like throw resources at, at it and start paying. Thus, MuleSoft also has a free tier. We do. Yeah. So that's, uh, again, going back to our roots, we had an open source. So we have Mule CE, which is our community edition, and then Mule Enterprise. So we did get our, our, our start way back in the day as, as an open source tooling. And kind of similar to Heroku, that adoption from kind of the developer, you know, word of mouth saying, hey, this is a great new tool to, to build these integrations. Why don't you try it? And that, that kind of spread like wildfire. So we now have an enterprise version. And the enterprise version itself, there is actually still a way for you to actually download what we call the AnyPoint Studio. And that's a free tool. There's no uh, restrictions in terms of building these integrations. But one of the major benefits of the platform is the ability to build integrations through a drag and drop environment. Oh, oh yeah. I was just asked that. Is there like a lot of coding that people need to do to do these connections or is all just a drag and drop and you move on? Right. So the uh, within the tooling, and again, that's one of the, the major benefits is that drag and drop capability. So instead of developers having to write code uh, and often the, the use cases like, you know, making those connections to the backend systems, we have a, a set of connectors, uh, a library of connectors, uh, close to about 200 now. Uh, and it ranges from connectors to APIs, but it allows developers to easily drag and drop and click and configure you know, these integration flows that connect different systems, you know, from SAP to Salesforce or Salesforce to SAP, um, you know, the the, the, op- the opportunities of, of building these integrations are, are endless. What would be a common use case for a non-enterprise developer? And also what would be a good use case for enterprise? I imagine that for enterprise developers, it's more like trying to bring um, their data from big, big resources, like, for example, Salesforce or Oracle or wherever you have the data take into, uh, I don't know, a database, massage it and pump it back. Right. But like for, for the not enterprise customer, what would be a good, like a common use case? The use cases are applicable still to, you know, a, a, a basic developer all the way up to an enterprise. Um, at the end of the day, not having to write code and kind of leaving some of this grunt. So the, the name MuleSoft, that, that's probably a good segue into why it's called MuleSoft. So our founder, Ross Mason, worked in the financial industry and wanted to find a way for developers to not have to do this grunt work. So, um, you know, instead of calling the, the, the company DonkeySoft, he decided to call it MuleSoft because he considered this integration work um, donkey work, right? Or, or mule work. So um, the platform itself gives these developers the ability to easily create these integrations without writing that code. So basic developers that are just moving data from a database into a flat file or a flat file into a database, they can use the tool, you know, even though it's an enterprise grade uh, application, right? These simple use cases of just moving data between systems is there, right? But when you get into the enterprise space, what we're seeing a lot of these days is these companies that need to quickly uh, accelerate the, the, you know, the development of the, or the, the agility of the developers, right? Being able to kind of loosely couple the underlying systems by exposing APIs. And that's where the enterprise development use cases come into play. Uh, but again, where MuleSofts got started in terms of doing that grunt work or that mule work is still capable within the platform. And, and you know, base developers can still use the platform for those, uh, for those use cases. And, you know, to about, what is it like now, two years ago, because I believe it was two Dreamforce ago that MuleSoft was recently acquired. 
And at the time, I was working at the Heroku booth at Dreamforce, in particular showing uh, Data Clips, which was a feature that we released around that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I'm showing Heroku Connect, I'm doing things in the Salesforce platform, I'm using Heroku Connect to link the data into Heroku Postgres database. And then I'm showing them all the cool things that you can do with Heroku Postgres on um, Heroku.com on the data part of it. And a lot of people um, came to the booth during that time and said, okay, so you have Heroku Connect. You also have MuleSoft. Like, what is the difference? Like, when should I use Heroku Connect? When should I use MuleSoft? Yeah, so that that definitely is a question that comes up often, right, within the Salesforce community and and people that are kind of evaluating different uh, tool sets for integration and also kind of data movement. Um, Heroku Connect is great if you're kind of moving data from Salesforce to Salesforce or you're in the Heroku uh, ecosystem and you're moving it to a Postgres database and then you're building applications on top of that, right? Mm-hmm. MuleSoft is more purpose-built for integrations between Salesforce and applications outside of the uh, Salesforce ecosystem, right? So if, you know, ServiceNow, SAP, you know, external databases, if you need to connect Salesforce to those platforms or those systems, that's where MuleSoft fits in there. Um, You can also, again, use Heroku Connect and MuleSoft in tandem where that data that you're driving out of Salesforce into Postgres databases, you can expose that again as APIs using MuleSoft. Uh, and allow that connectivity between that that data and the, and the databases in those different platforms. It's not as quote unquote batchy as Heroku Connect. It could be, it could work more. It works more like an API, basically. Correct, correct. Yeah, instead of you know n- you know scheduled run of of moving data between Salesforce into a database, right? MuleSoft can provide this data in real time. So when a user when you build an API within MuleSoft and a user makes a request, it's actually pulling data live, right? It's pulling directly from the Salesforce objects or custom objects and custom fields versus you know pulling it from data that could be an hour old or a day old sitting inside mm-hmm. a, a Postgres database. How about how about API limits with Salesforce when you use MuleSoft? Heroku Connect does bypass some of those Salesforce limitations. Um, from a MuleSoft standpoint, you can kind of build rate limiting into these APIs to kind of address those API limitations, right? So when you build an API, part of MuleSoft platform is this kind of this API lifecycle management. And the tool set provides these API management capabilities where you can actually inject policies to control who can access the underlying data. And this is actually a pretty useful, important part of exposing data, right? Where you can actually uh, include rate limiting or throttling policies to ensure that as you get close to these rate limits, be it Salesforce or any other application, right? You can catch that and ensure that the user has a good experience when they're accessing that data from the underlying platforms. How about if we get into a little bit more of a controversial question here, what what is not a good use for MuleSoft? For example? <laughs> um, so I I'm having a developer background and kind of using MuleSoft. You know, I, I have this belief, of course, that you can you can build anything on MuleSoft, right? <laughs> um, you know, if you want to build it for you know BPM, you could use MuleSoft to kind of do that, right? But what it's not good for, I would say, you know, BPM. We're not a BPM tool, and that's often. Um, a question that customers ask us, you know, can you can you replace this BPM system that we have or these BPM uh, business processes? Um, we, we don't have BPM built in the platform. The idea with our platform is we're connecting 
the different systems. So if you, you've got a, a tool that has a BPM process, right? If it needs to call out to a different systems, that's where you're going to have MuleSoft kind of sit in between and loosely couple those systems. So later on, if there's a change to that underlying system that that BPM tool is calling to, right, we make that transition a lot easier for the developer as well as for the entire ecosystem that that you know that that, that tooling is built on. So that's one that we're not a good fit for, right? Being a replacement for BPM, we kind of work alongside of it. Uh, and then another one is managed file transfer, right? It's, a, it's you know essentially just kind of going back to the old EDI B2B days of, of moving files between different systems. We can provide that ability to kind of move files. You know, we can we have an FTP connector, we have a file connector. Um, you can move files between different systems, and you can use MuleSoft for those use cases. But there are more purpose-built MFT tools out there, right? And if that's the, the, the specific use case that you're just trying to address, then go with an MFT tool for that. So let's now talk a little bit more about what we came to talk here, about the <laughs> MuleSoft database connector. Yeah. So why should developers use it? Um, it goes back to kind of just simplifying your, your workflow, Right. Instead of you spending all your time writing custom code, right, just take one of our library of, you know, one from our library of 150 connectors, drag and drop that into what we call the meal canvas and start building those connections. So our database connector, we used to have one for all the different databases out there, but we've essentially combined it into one database connector. And all you need to bring to the database connector in terms of setting up the, this meal flow is the JDBC driver for that database. So in this case, for uh, the article, uh, it was just showing the ability to connect to Heroku Postgres without having to write any custom code. You simply just drag and drop the connector into the canvas. You set up the connection uh, properties. So essentially you you give it the, you know, the username, password, uh, the jar file, you know, where that's sitting, and then you test it. And then within the connector, we expose different operations. So it varies from connector to connector, right? But for the database connector, it's just your basic database uh, operations, right? Select, insert, delete, update, right? We essentially wrap those operations and expose them as you know different connector operations that you can drag and drop in and perform those transformations on the data or on the database itself, uh, but it allows those developers to move a lot faster, right? Instead of spending all that time writing custom code, it gives them the ability to easily just drag and drop and click and configure those specific use cases. Is the MuleSoft database connector part of the free um, for those developers that are just testing things? Will they find it in the non-enterprise MuleSoft? It is. Um, so we do have uh, three different tiers of connectors out there. We've got select, we've got uh, premium, and then we've got community. So premium, of course, generally has additional fee. The select ones are ones that we've built internally that we provide to our customers and those come at no cost, right? So as you're playing around with the tool, right? Playing around with AnyPoint Studio, you can download those into Studio or we, we provide some of them out of the box and you can use those within your projects free of charge. And then we also have community connectors. These are connectors that our community have, have built and published into what we call the exchange. Uh, but this concept of reuse, right, gives users and, and our developers a way to kind of contribute back to the community, right? So these connectors, they can publish those into the exchange, and then other developers can take those connectors into their projects and start connecting. So, and the Heroku Postgres could be found on the on the free tier. 
Um, we don't have a Heroku Postgres connector per se, but you can use the, the database oh, connector to connect to Heroku Postgres. So if customers oh. have Postgres sitting in other platforms, right, or other you know uh, cloud platforms, they can use the database connector to connect to those. So the MuleSoft database connector is in one of those tiers. It is, yeah. It's in the select tier, and then it comes. Oh, with the I see. Yeah. So if we want to use Heroku Postgres with the MuleSoft database connector, it has to be in the select tier, not in the free tier. Um, well, the, the, the database connector just exists in the select tier. So yeah, it comes with the platform and you can use it for your development. Yeah. So for those, for those folks that are going to try it, what, like, what would be the best use case to, what would be the best problem to get started with that if I have a problem to, to be solved, what type of problem should I pick? So one benefit of what we call the, the AnyPoint exchange is that it actually comes with different templates and different examples. So um, we have a lot of common use cases and scenarios in there that other customers have run into. So ETL use cases, right? Being able to kind of just, you know, connect to a database and then move that into Salesforce. Instead of a developer having to go and rewrite that whole integration flow, they can actually download that template or example into Studio configure the credentials for the database, configure the credentials for Salesforce and be up and running quickly. So ETL is one use common use case, um, exposing APIs. So when you build an API, a RESTful API within the platform using our API designer, the other part of that is the implementation where you actually connect it back to the database. So within the flows that you build within Studio, that's where you're gonna drag and drop in the database select operation into the flow. Um, you can also build in business logic into these flows where if you wanna grab the data from a Postgres database and from ServiceNow and from SAP, you can do so within the flow and then concatenate all that information into one response that you send back to the user. Huh, what is a common mix that you've seen for these enterprise customers to bring data from multiple sources into one response? Like what is the combination that you've seen often? So one, one common mix, right, is like order history or customer information, right? So oftentimes in the enterprise level, their customer data is sitting in a lot of different spirit systems, right? They've got customer data in Salesforce. They've got uh, customer order history or, you know, you know, products that they own with an SAP. Um, the ability for MuleSoft to go in there and grab data, you know, related to that customer from both systems and expose that in a new API is one of the major benefits. If you think about the code that was kind of, that would, you know, need to be kind of built out to kind of expose that with MuleSoft, once you start building these APIs and connecting all the different systems with the connector, you'll kind of see some of the, the, the return that you'll get as a developer, right? You're not spending all that time writing code and testing it. You're simply using our connectors to easily go and, and connect to the systems, grab the data, um, use the transformation, tool called Dataweave within our application and then tie that uh, together into a, a response that you want to send back to the customer. So, um, but yeah, the, the, the possibilities are endless within the platform. And how about, how about again, as, as early, how about limitations, but as it relates to the connector? Yeah, so the, the limitations generally lie within the, um, the endpoints that we're wrapping. So our connectors either wrap SDKs, right? So say, for example, like the Amazon Web Services S3 connector or SNS or SQS, we're essentially wrapping the Amazon SDK, so the Java libraries. And then we also have other connectors that wrap 
uh, different APIs out there, right? REST APIs, SOAP APIs, and expose those in a way where the developer doesn't have to be concerned about you know the the underlying code around how to manage that uh, specific API. For the database connector, the limitation generally lies within the JDBC connector itself, right? So we're wrapping essentially the JDBC driver for that specific database. And generally that's a type four connector, right? Where essentially it's actually translating uh, a request that's gonna be sent to that, you know, down to that database. So if there's limitations within that JDBC driver, that's the limitations that the developer will see. And if the, you know, those limitations are kind of show-stopping, it, that it doesn't stop the developer there, right? One of the major benefits of MuleSoft, again, is also that it's not a black box. They can, if they do run to those limitations, they can actually write their own Java code and embed that into either a connector, right? They can write it, their own connector and publish that into the exchange, or they can write their own Java code and incorporate that into the project and then have that be instantiated and, and called uh, within the Mule flow. Uh, and then we also we have connectors for .NET. So if you you're you know in the the Microsoft world and you want to invoke operations within DLLs, you can do so within the application. And then we also have a scripting component that allows developers to write code in JavaScript, Python, or Ruby, and incorporate that directly into the flow as well. What is the most popular language dev you've seen when it comes down to this database and connectors? I'm curious. Uh, it, Java is the most common. I mean, the, the platform itself is built on Java. Uh, the Mule runtime itself doesn't require its own app server. It, it essentially just requires a JVM. So most developers that are, you know, coming to the platform, they are, you know, coming from the Java world, but we do have a lot of customers that are also, you know, in the .NET world and, and essentially leveraging the platform to kind of connect their different systems, right? So again, uh, we, you know, we're kind of, think of us as kind of the plumbing between your different systems, right? We provide that connectivity between different platforms. How do the connectors work after somebody runs a new migration on their database? Like if they change the schema or something like that, how does the connector react? Pretty much the same as if you're, you're writing the code, right? So if they've changed the schema or they've changed the column name, uh, it'll throw an error back to the flow to say, hey, there's, there's please an issue update these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, please update this. Um, if you've built kind of just a general ETL flow, then Mule itself, there's also the ability to kind of put in exception strategies where if the destination's down or it spits back an error saying that the schema has changed, right? You can take the 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 data and route it to a different location, right? Dropped into a message mm. queue or a dead letter queue to say, hey, this needs to be addressed. Does it backplay? Does the connector backplay the data? Let's say that there was an error, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Somebody did a migration in the schema or something. There was an mm. error. Yeah. You threw the error, but like data kept coming. Mm. Does it have the ability to backplay that data later once the problem is resolved? Out of the box, no, but you can build in kind of that backplay uh, functionality, right? So mm-hmm. if you do, if you if you've you know built your your flow out to kind of address the, those errors that you can potentially catch, that's where you can kind of route that data into a different data store to be processed later. Is there a guide that you can point people to go to other than the blog post that we would probably link on the resources here? Is there any other thing um, that you recommend people to take a look at before testing the database connector? The, our docs are probably the, the the best source for you know running through and, and kind of you know finding out more about the platform. So docs.mulesoft.com. Um, our training website is actually 
has a lot of great uh, content there as well. So training.mealsoft.com. Uh, there's some free courses that you can kind of run through that give you the full uh, run through the entire platform from, you know, downloading studio, setting up a project, building an API, all that's enabled through the training courses. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of content out there. And then Stack Overflow has a pretty uh, good community um, of mule developers that are always helping out uh, answer questions as well. Going back to uh, the integration with Heroku. So we've talked a lot about the Heroku Postgres integration, but mm-hmm. is there other ways also to integrate with, uh, for example, the other uh, managed data services that Heroku offers like Kafka and Redis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, again, you know, Postgres is just kind of one different uh, source or destination that MuleSoft can inter- interact with. Uh, the two that you kind of said there are Kafka and Redis. I've, I've got another post that kind of talks about how to connect to Heroku uh, Kafka um, over SSL. Uh, Redis, I haven't played around with as well, but we do have a Redis connector. So uh, check out the exchange, you know, just type in kind of, you know, a, a specific platform. And if it doesn't have a connector, we do have generic ones for HTTP. So if you want to make a REST request, we do have one um, for SOAP APIs called the Web Service Consumer. Uh, and we also have uh, other generic connectors, right? If you want to build your own connector to connect to those different platforms. But in relation to Heroku, um, the, the the different add-ons that you can you know add on to your, your system or your projects, if there is you know an API or an SDK that's wrapped around those 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 different systems, MuleSoft can easily connect to them. As we were talking, you're so passionate about this this topic, and I, I and I'm digging the passion that it made me wonder how did you land at MuleSoft? Oh, um, so I actually came from the app space. I used to be, you know, selling CRM and kind of implementing CRM. Did a year as a product manager, um, and then a friend came aboard to MuleSoft and was like, "Hey, this is you know this is a great new company. They're doing these amazing things." And, you know, I was like, you know, with my, my curiosity, I went and downloaded the tool set and I started playing around with it. And that's that's one of the great things about MuleSoft is that they do provide the, the ability for you to kind of play around the tool set before you actually kind of, you know, go all in. Right. So the studio itself, free download built on Eclipse. Um, once you download that and you start looking to the connectors, you, the, the possibilities are endless. Right. It's kind of like Lego building blocks where. You have all huh. these different blocks and then you can, you know, the, the, the sky, you know, the opportunity is endless in terms of building whatever you want, connections, APIs. So just started connecting different systems and thought back to my, you know, my years as a, a developer and as a product manager, you know, having something like this uh, speed up the development of, of my teams would have been great, you know, when I was in that role. I was like, sign me up. Let's let's start let's start, <laughs> let's start working at MuleSoft, and I've been there for about five years now. So after the acquisition, are you hella rich? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hella rich in in knowledge. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the key things about the platform is that you have you know from the app space generally you're kind of tied to just a single platform, right? You're learning all the ins and outs. The um, you know, the capabilities it provides, but with MuleSoft, I mean, I am touching SAP and I'm learning about IDOCs and mapping. So I'm yeah. touching Salesforce and I'm learning about objects and all the different pieces like Heroku and marketing cloud and, and, uh, commerce cloud. Right. And I'm, you know, interacting with different databases and new technologies. I mean, that's where I'm really excited with the platform. And I think for the foreseeable future is that, you know, as we start hearing about new 
you know, technologies or new kind of ways to connect. So async API is a, is a pretty new one that's kind of uh, popping up right now around, um, you know, describing an asynchronous uh, connection, right, between different systems, yes. so like Kafka and streaming and all that stuff. Um, that's that's one that we're starting to get into a little bit. Um, IoT is another great um, realm that we're, we're, you know, talking about, you know, talking with customers the, with the growth of, of AWS and Azure and Google Cloud, right? I mean, just, you know, connecting those different systems with back office, with on-prem, um, MuleSoft gives you that ability. Right. I, I Briefly, when we were preparing for these, uh, you mentioned about you built um, some stuff for serverless functions, and that's going to be really interesting for because we're also building some stuff for serverless functions for our Salesforce customers. So that should be a pretty nice um, synergy of everything. <laughs> yeah, it will be. It, you know, the, the serverless has definitely taken off in terms of developer adoption um, where they can you know, run these specific functions and not be paying for, you know, the overhead of just, you know, if it's, you know, one off, right, they're not paying for that, that usage, right. So um, we do have customers that are kind of investigating the platform, I I build an example that allows us to proxy uh, a Lambda, right. So, um, you know, an AWS Lambda, where uh, you can kind of control the ingress of that request down to the back end, right. But it gives you that visibility with the platform to, Visually understand, you know who's making calls to these these under, you know backend um, uh, you know lambdas and and how much how much data they're getting out of these systems, right? But with API management sitting on top of serverless, right, it, it gives you a whole realm of new kind of control and, and visibility into that to that into that you know um, world of serverless. Yeah, where we're seeing a lot of adoption of MuleSoft is this whole API, right? Uh, API led connectivity is a phrase you'll hear occasionally, but uh, the concept around that is that instead of building point-to-point integrations where you're just connecting a database to Salesforce, build APIs around that database, right? And expose it in a way that allows you to uh, allows your developers to make changes quickly. So if you are starting on you know Postgres, or you're starting on a SQL Server or or MySQL. When you build this API, you're loosely coupling the underlying data right from the consumer. Right. To, to that, you know, accessing that data down below. So if at some point, you know, you're starting to scale out and you're, you're, the amount of uh, requests coming to that API grows and you're not able to scale out, right? You can switch to a new platform and the consumer doesn't have to know that change, right? They are right. tied to the contract that you've defined in the API and they can, they'll keep calling that. But you as a developer can go and quickly change that database, right? Or change the connection to a different system. And that's that's the main benefit of this API led, where you're you're allowing this agility of your IT to move faster, right? Yeah, um, like you can scale the business as it's kind of like the whole idea of Heroku. You start with an idea and a free resource, and as it starts scaling, you just go into the dashboard and click. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Making changes quickly as a developer and not being tied down with all the um, the underlying code. So in the past, you know, with a point to point, if uh, an error occurred within the database or the code itself, you you would have to bring down the entire integration system. And that's, I guess, another good segue into MuleSoft is our scalability, right? We can be deployed in the cloud in what we call Cloud Hub, which is our integration platform as a service or on-premise. And th- traditional integration platforms out there, your integrations, your point-to-point integrations ran on a single server. So if that whole server went down, 
every integration that you had, yeah. you know, there might be some disaster recovery and some HA in there, right? But you know, that single integration could affect all the other integrations that you have. MuleSoft, because we uh, you know, are, are running in the cloud, we have the ability to scale both horizontally and vertically. So your applications, when you deploy them into Cloud Hub, they're actually running isolated from every other, everything else, right? From customers, from your own projects, they're running in their own um, instance in the cloud. And if something goes on with that, you know, some errors occur, it won't bring down all the other integrations that you have running uh, within your ecosystem. That's, yeah, it is, a, it is not a trivial problem to solve and a much needed one too, so... Yeah. And it goes back to so that, that, that concept of that design, right? It goes back to that serverless concept, right? Where you've got this single, um, you know, serverless endpoint that's handling this specific use case, right? And it's isolated from all the other ones. So, you know, you can kind of look at Mule as in some ways a, a serverless API, right? If you, if, you, if you build an API with a platform and deploy that, it's running and handling that function, but it doesn't have the benefits of the serverless where it's going to spin it down after it's done, right? It, it does continuously run. So um, it does give you the benefit of building ETL processes or other use cases into the platform itself. Right. Well, it was lovely to have you. Thank you so much for sharing everything. Yes, thank you, Becky. It was very nice meeting you, and hopefully we can meet in person. <laughs> yes, I know. About, talk about some <laughs> other connectivity options with MailSoft and the Heroku ecosystem. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.